Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. You want to make it all better. There's not a verse in the Bible to make that pain go away. They lost their mother. Let them, let them cry. They, like, that, that's gonna, they, they're going to have a moment. They're human. Uh, sometimes Christians want to fix it. Like, man, I find this right verse in the Psalms. This is going to fix it for them. You know? and, and we'll read them some verse. And it's like, you know, I appreciate what you're trying to do. But I, I need God right now. I just need the Lord. There, there are places only God can touch. Um, there have been other hurts, other challenges that people have had. And there are places only God can touch. He's the God of all comfort. Some pain can't be made to go away. Some pain can't be comforted or consoled. Some pain is just too deep. And in today's message, Pastor Bill will share with you that God is the only one who can provide the peace that passes understanding and healing in the midst of pain. Within the Christian community, people often attempt to look at the bright side. They're in heaven now, or something like that. While these things are true, they don't lessen the pain of losing a loved one. Only God can bring healing. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 1 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. His son died that he did a whole sermon telling the things that people did that didn't minister to him, that actually angered him. He said one lady came up after a service and said, you know, I understand what you're going through. Last year, my dog passed away and it was uh, and it was like. Now, I love my dogs, and some people think they dogs like people, but he said I, I could, he could have probably hit her, you know, and I said, that's so offensive. She was, she was trying to help, but that, he was like, don't just stop, stop, stop. Don't do that, you know. Uh, there are verses that we know are true. Don't we know that all things are working together for the good of those who love God and call according to We know that's true, but do you walk up to someone that just lost a kid and say, hey, all, they're in a better place. All things are working together for the good. Not, not, that's not the time. You probably just want to hug them. And pray and let the Lord minister that truth to their hearts. You know, we just got to be careful, right? There's a comfort that only God can bring. And again, when we've been into those deep waters, you know, you've been at loss. You've suffered through cancer. You've had someone pass away that you cared for. And you looked to the Lord and he met you. The same way he met you, you'll be able to pour that on somebody else. I think I pastored 10 years and did funerals and everything else before I had ever really dealt with death. Uh, I had never dealt with anybody really close to me dying. My, mo- my mother was the first, um, which is a big one, but that's the first like really intimate death I ever dealt with. And, and I, I, I remember for me, I know the grief and I remember I had my moments of crying, but I, I had the Lord meet me and speak to me. And it was a final thing. I mean, God just met me. He spoke to me. There was a verse God gave me to cling to, but there was a comfort from him that I roll. I mean, I'm still writing that. There, there doesn't mean there won't be moments and times where you don't think something or a birthday or feel emotional. But I've never. I remember feeling grief and hurt at a level and crying out to the Lord and never feeling grief at that level again. That God's comfort is able to meet you at the level of your hurt, your suffering, your grief, your pain. Um, and there's something I take from that when someone is suffering with that kind of loss. My heart's different now. I'm, I've, I've, I've been touched by that. My heart's different. I, I know what not to say. Uh, there were a lot of people that loved me and tried to like comfort me. And this is the thing that Christians, we, we want to fix it for you. You want to make it all better. There's not a verse in the Bible to make that pain go away. They lost their mother. Let them, let them cry. They, like, they, that's going to, they, they're going to have a moment. They're human. Uh, sometimes Christians want to fix it. Like, man, I find this right verse in the Psalms. This is going to fix it for them, you know, and, and we'll read them some verse. And it's like, you know, I appreciate what you're trying to do, but I, I need God right now. I just need the Lord. There, there are places only God can touch. 
Um, there have been other hurts, other challenges that people have had, and there are places only God can touch. He's the God of all comfort. So if he's going to use you, first you, gotta have, you have to have looked to him and been comforted by him in order for that to flow through you. If in your hurt you didn't look to the Lord, you haven't looked to the Lord, and you haven't received comfort from the Lord, you can relate, but you can't help. And that's where a lot of people end up being stuck. I can relate to your pain, and I can understand what you feel, I can agree with what you're, but I can't, I don't have anything to help you with. We want to be able to help other people, amen? And so God says, look, the, the same comfort that you've been comforted with, you're going to be able to help others. There's a purpose, there's always a purpose for pain or discomfort or suffering in the life of the believers, never without purpose from God. Verse five, it says, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. And so he says, just, just like the sufferings of Christ, they, they, they abound. There's a, we're, we're going through a lot. Um, they abound in us. So is our consolation. There's God's meeting us at the level of our hurt. God's meeting us. We're, we're hurting. His comfort is right there. And again, this is important because it doesn't say that God fixes the suffering or takes it away. And some people have been really let down, feeling like God was supposed to make it all right. He was supposed to change the thing that brought suffering. And, you know, I just I just have to point out that's not really the that's not really the teaching of Scripture. Uh, I could think of people. I can think of so many people in the word that God used, but they suffered difficult things. I think of Joseph. Joseph was a faithful man, loved God. Um, no fault of his own. His father favored him. His brothers hated him. They threw him in a hole, sold him into slavery. God was with him. He was the best slave. You know, he got he got to be in a good position. Then he got lied on and the, the, the guy's wife tried to sleep with him. He ran away. He did the right thing. And then she said, he tried to rape me. And he got put in jail for it. Now he's in jail for obeying God. And I'm looking at his life thinking he got a whole lot of reasons to be bitter, but you never hear him get bitter. You don't ever hear Joseph complain, that whole section of Genesis. And when it's all said and done, the brothers that put him in the predicament that he was in, and he said, you guys meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. How did he have that perspective? Because he kept walking with the Lord. God administered to him. He understood that God was sovereign over all his difficult things, and God made good on it. It wasn't for nothing. God was making him into a certain kind of man because he was going to be a leader, right? Pain is never without purpose. I think of Queen Esther. Her, her early life is difficult. You know, her mother and father, they were taken away from her. She's raised by, you know, an uncle figure, Mordecai, or, you know, the cousin, but he's like an uncle to her. And so he's, she's raised by a man, doesn't have a mom or a dad. Um, she's beautiful, no fault of her own. And at, at, at a particular time when she was of a particular age, the king booted out the other wife and did a beauty pageant and picked her. And next thing you know, she's in the palace, happens to be a Jew, after Haman had got a decree to get all the Jews killed. And Mordecai says, how do you know that you're not in the kingdom of such a time as this? And that woman went before the king, life at risk. She said, if I perish, I perish, but I'm going to go. And she went and she saved the whole Jewish nation at that time. But, but look at what she went through, right? I look at that part, that's glorious. But what was it like being a little girl with no parents? What was it like being a girl with no woman to raise you and talk your woman stuff and all that kind of, what was that like? That was probably difficult for her. But God used it. It wasn't for nothing. So if you've had pain, if it seemed like I was, dealt, I was dealt a rough hand, my parents had a bad family, I had this happen to me, I got this health concern, I had this jacked up marriage, I had this loss in my life, it's never without purpose to the person that will look to the Lord. Amen? The one thing you see with all those people is that they did look to the Lord. They kept walking with the Lord. And so God brought purpose out of the difficulties. If you turn your back on God in the midst of difficulty, you lose. 
And that's why for you guys that listen to me preach over the years, I tell people all the time, don't ever get mad at God. Right. If you get mad at God, you lose. Um, people typically get mad at God when at the lowest points in their life, when they need God the most. It's one of Satan's tricks. How do I disconnect you from the only help available at the time when you need help worse is to get you mad at God. Don't ever succumb to that. You don't ever be mad at the God who loves you, died for you to save you because some some circumstances not going your way. Amen. All right. Moving on. Look at verse uh, six. He says, now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And Paul said, look, whatever the case is, if, if, if we are afflicted, it's for your it's for you. God's God's working in us on your behalf. It's for your consolation and salvation. Um, he says, which is effective for enduring the same suffering that we also suffer as we go through it. Um, and we endure and we're built up. We're going to be able to help you be able to endure. He says, now, if we're comforted, it's also for you that we're going to be able to minister to you that Paul is just, you know, bringing that point home a little further that none of us are going through it for nothing. And keep that in mind that whatever you've been through, some of you maybe need to take what you've been through, especially if God has ministered to you and look for people you can help with what you've been through. So it isn't for nothing. It will be for nothing if you don't reach out. If you take someone that's been abused and God's comforted them and, you know, from what they've been through and they've been healed and ministered to and you never take that and help somebody else that's been abused, um, it's not really taking purpose yet. It's not really you've been met by God. You've been comforted, which is great for you. But God says, now, can you help somebody else? Will you share that with somebody else that needs to hear it? Um, if you've suffered loss of some sort, God wants to take what we've been through many times, the pain that we've gone through to help somebody else. And so. Paul tells them, look, I've been through it. Paul, later in this letter, is going to tell them all he's been through. Shipwrecked. He been, I've been naked for the gospel. I've been jailed. I've been in prison. I was stoned to death once. I was all these different things he's been through. Paul says, look, this is for you guys. I'm not going, it's not just for me. Uh, I'm going through this for me. But, but as God meets me, it's enabling me to minister to you as well. And I think that would help us if we have that perspective. You know, I hate to hear a Christian that feels like, you know, just kind of kind of like have a pity party, you know, I don't know. I don't know why God allows this in my life and this has happened to me. And, you know, I was being faithful. I was going to church every week and then this happened to me anyway. And, you know, there's some people that kind of got that Eeyore kind of Christianity. And you look at it and think, man, you just need a perspective change. If I can look at what I'm going through and say, but all things are working together. And when I go through some stuff, I know that this this has to work out for the good somehow. So even if I can't see how yet I'll wait. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the how this is going to turn around for the good because I believe it will. I don't believe it's for nothing. I believe that God and then God, if God ministers to me. I believe I'll be able to take this and help somebody else eventually um, as I go through it. Paul is sharing his heart with them. Why? He doesn't want them to be bummed out. He doesn't want them to be a, a the, 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 maybe the worst look in the world is a depressed Christian. Right. You're saying you got a relationship with the living God. Died on the cross for your sins, rose to the grave, coming back in. You got the Holy Ghost in you. Why are you so sour? Right? It's a bad witness for Christians to be like that. You at work, everybody know you're a Christian, and you're the foulest attitude in the building. That's bad. You ain't never happy. You don't ever have a good day. I ask you, how you doing? Nine times out of ten, it's not good. You ain't never blessed. 
Nothing. I mean, like that's that's bad. Do y'all understand? Like that. That's. But I know Christians like that. Hey, how's it going? Well, you know, you just you just you just you know how it is out here, man. You know, first thing out their mouth was just something negative. Hey, how was your week, man? I mean, I just you, you see the elections. I mean, how, how can my life be good with all that going on? You know, like it was Christians acting like that. Some of y'all in here know. You know, some of y'all know them off of Facebook. I'm saying, you know, not y'all, but it's people that acted like 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 Jesus had fell off the throne and and heaven had closed his doors and and hell was sucking people down on accident be, because of that. You know, wrong perspective, right? I got to look at everything and say God is on the throne, no matter who in the White House. I know who's in. I know who's on the throne. Ultimately, God is sovereign. All things are working together. Everything's going to go the way God wants it to go. Ultimately, and if Whatever happens in this world is going to happen in this world. When I die, I'm going to heaven. This is not really my home. I'm from another kingdom. I got another king. My king is legit. I could vote for him, you know, and so on and on. But if you let this world jack up your perspective and your thinking and you start just living with these thoughts that this is everything, this is not everything. We're floating through this place. Bible says we're pilgrims just passing through. Got a job. We're, we're to be ambassadors for the Lord. We're going to learn about that in chapter five. We're to be representatives of him, but we're passing through. Don't get too attached. Don't fall in love with this place. Fall in love with him. That's who you're going to be with and where you're going to be for all eternity. Amen. And so moving on now, verse 80 says, for we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. And this is kind of heavy here. Paul says, look, I don't want you to be ignorant of what the trouble we had in Asia. We had some difficult things happen. He says we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, and we despair that we despaired even of life. Paul says what we went through in Asia was so overwhelming. It was beyond what we could manage in our own strength. And we said we despaired even of life. This is important. Paul saying, look, we, we, what we went through there, there, was a, there were points at which we didn't know if we wanted to live. We were despairing even of life. There are people that hurt that bad. There are things that people go through in this life that they hurt that deep, that they despair even of life. Do they even want to be here? And I don't want to make light of that because there, I just I literally last week, um, someone we know, someone that I know, um, they took their life. They were they 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 lost hope. They despaired to the point where they just took their life. And this week, talked to their son, teenage son. And it's devastating and heartbreaking. Talk, I talked to him three days before and just despaired, lost hope. People can get that hopeless. And so I just take a moment to say this, right? Paul says, we, we despaired. We were, we, were, we were at a place of, of despairing even of life. And verse 9 says, Yet we had, yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. When you think about a sentence, it's like this is coming. You, you, know, you, get, a, you get a sentence in jail like, so much more of this and that's it. That's how much time you we had the sentence of death. It was in us, in ourselves that they said. But he said, this is why that we should trust in that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raised the dead. The, 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 he said, the, why did God let us despair that deep that we wouldn't look to self, that we would look to him? Anybody here that's despairing like that? If you've ever been that in that dark of a place where man, I don't even know if I want to be here. Um, my, my, my exhortation for you would be that you would look to him. Nobody, would, nobody loses hope looking to God. We lose hope looking at circumstances. Circumstances can be hopeless, but nobody loses hope looking to the Lord. And so we need to be looking to the Lord. We need to look to him. God, I'll take my mess and in the midst of it, I'm going to look to you to make sense of it, to help me with it. 
um, to, to give me hope in a hopeless world. And, and sometimes the hope that we're going to have is going to be just as simple as God, with all this is going on, my hope is my hope is in you. Right. My hope is when this is all done, I get to be with you. Help me to glorify you in the midst of what I'm going through. Help me to good, help me to be a good witness in the midst of my tragedy that I'm going through. Um, my hope is in you. Best example I can give of this is Job. If anybody in the Bible I look at and say, man, that, that guy could have, you know, I could have understood if he just said, I don't want to be here no more. You know, Job was the richest man in the land. And in one day he lost all his possessions. He went from being super, super rich to absolutely broke in one day. That would devastate most of us. And we're not even rich like that at that level. Same same day. All possessions gone. This one would have did me. All kid, all his kids died same day. And Satan made sure he left one person alive each time to come tell him the bad news. I just, everybody died. I, I escaped alive to tell you that all your kids were in the house and, and the house fell down and they all died. So sorry. All your stuff's gone. All your kids gone. That would, that would, that would be done. I've, cry, I've cried reading Job, just looking at all the kids die. I mean, I, I don't want none of my kids to die. All of them. It's overwhelming. And then his wife comes over. Somehow Satan got a hold of his wife. I'm sure Miss Job was okay most of the time. But she just lost all her kids too, so I give her a pass. Maybe she was having an emotional moment. Somehow Satan got a hold of her. And the thing that Satan had said in, 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 to God in private, that I'm going to make him curse you to your face. Job's wife looked at Job, because this is the third thing Satan did. Satan took his health. He had boils from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. He was sitting in ashes, scraping the sores with a piece of pot. I mean, it's the most pathetic picture you can get. But the Bible says that when Job, when all this happened, what did Job do? It says he fell down and he worshiped. He worshiped. It's the biggest in your face to Satan that could be done. Satan is like, my goal right now is to rip this man down to make him curse God. I want to make him mad at God. That's what, that was Satan's stated purpose. He fell down and did the opposite of curse God. He, he, wor he worshiped God, which is that's, it's the opposite of worship is to curse he didn't curse God. He worshiped God. And for God, that was the biggest. I mean, God's looking at Job saying like, you know, I thought he was going to curse me. Did you, you hear what he's saying right now? Blessed be my, blessed be who? Blessed be my name. Job blessed him. What a great example, right? And God restored everything to Job. God, God made, God, God gave him what money couldn't buy. God, restored, you know, his wife got her stuff together. You know, God gave him more kids and long life and everything else. But look at that story, right? Satan wanted to just ruin him because he comes to steal, kill and destroy he had to look to the Lord and he had to trust in the Lord. And so sometimes in the deepest, darkest place, that's where you got to look to the Lord. That may, it may, that may be where it's most difficult to do it, but that's what we got to do in our deepest, darkest places. We got to look to the Lord. I wonder, because Job lived a long life, how much, how many times did Job get to share with other people over that long life about who God was? How many of them kids, he got kids and grandkids for three generations. How many of those kids and grandkids got to hear from Grandpa Job about the goodness of God? How many of them, the marriages and all that, you know God used that life. That wasn't for nothing. God used it. God will use you too. Last thing, and then we're going we're gonna to close. Verse 10 and 11, he says, um, after he said, God who raised the dead in verse 9, he says, who delivered us, past tense, from so great a death, does deliver us, present, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. Paul says it's past, present, future. He has delivered us. He is delivering us and we trust. We trust that he will deliver us. You also helping together in prayer for us that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf 
for the gift granted to us through many. And the last thing here, Paul says, you guys also helping together in prayer for us. Paul said, you guys praying for us was helping. And I can't emphasize this enough, but that as Christians that we would that we would really have a prayer life. Praying for yourselves, praying to God for your own relationship, but that you that we be praying for one another, that we pray for the needs that come through here um, legitimately. And sometimes, you know, in Christian circles, people kind of say these things like, oh, I'm praying for you. You know, you say, oh, man, this thing, oh, I'll be praying for that. I'll be lifting that up. And, then, and, and you know as you hear it, they ain't praying. <laughs> you know, I, I, what I try to do is somebody tell me something that, because I know I'm forgetful. That's a, that's a flaw in my, I'm forgetful. I'm, we need to pray right now. Right, Johnny on the spot. I got my grandma. Let's pray for her right now. Stop, freeze. Er, we pray right now. Because then I make sure I got it done. Um, sometimes you make a list of people that you need to keep in prayer. They have ongoing things going on. Uh, we Every Monday night, we meet right here and we pray. Pray for the needs of the church. Pray for the people that put things in the prayer boxes. Say what they need prayer for. We pray. There's women that are on the phone at some five, I don't know what kind. It's, it's, it'd be dark. It'd be dark still, you know, but they get up on the phone and they pray. Um, you know, we, we need to pray privately. When people ask you to pray, you want to be faithful to do that. Paul says, you guys are helping us through praying. Um, and it makes a difference, right? But it takes faith. It takes faith to go in your room by yourself and talk to a God you can't see about people that aren't present and believe that God is in the midst of that. It takes faith. Prayer takes faith. That's why people don't do it. People are praying in public more than they pray in private. That's wrong. That's why I tell you, when we have a, a prayer gathering, it's the, 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 the rule of thumb is you pray long in private and short in public. Some people save up all their prayers for a public gathering. It's like, man, did you, have you prayed at all this week? It's like, you know, but it's, it's, prayer, it's, it's, it's group prayer etiquette, you know. But, um, you know, we should, we should have a private prayer life. Jesus said in Matthew 6, when you pray, go into your room, shut the door. Your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. There will be outward manifestations of that private personal prayer life. We all need to have that. But we also need to come together corporately and pray. The early church did it. Interesting that many of the times when God did really amazing things, it was when the whole church was together praying. Holy Spirit could have failed whenever he wanted. But when did he fall? When they were all together in one accord praying. Um, the Holy Spirit could have decided who was going to go to the different mission fields whenever he wanted. But when did he do it? When they were gathered together in prayer. He separated to them Barnabas and Saul for the different ministries. Um, there is something special that happens when we come together and pray. And so you should make that a point. If you can't come to the prayer, get with some sisters, get with some brothers and say, let's let's get together regularly and pray for needs that we're aware of. Don't let prayer turn into a gossip time. You know, don't don't reveal new information in prayer. Lord, we pray for sister Sally Mae. And, you know, I know her husband left yesterday and uh, I think he hit her in the left eye. And, uh, you know, we don't do that. You know, we don't misuse prayer like that but we want to pray for needs that are where we got we got people that got physical ailments that everybody knows and we're praying for them we should be getting together and praying so that we can rejoice together with what god does when he answers when he intervenes when he helps paul tells him you guys are helping me through prayer and he appreciated it um you you also helping together in prayer for us that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many and so as we wrap this up uh, i want to pray for all of us but i want to give this right if you're here and God has comforted you through some difficulty. God's helped you. You had something that you went through and God has helped you. I want you to pray today that God would show you who you could help. How can you take what God has done for you and, and, and pass that along? How do you help somebody else now? 
Um, you've been comforted by God. God's met you supernaturally. How do you take what God's done for you and now help somebody else? Pray for that. Pray that God will give you wisdom there. Uh, but second, if you're here, you're listening, you're saying, you know what, I have some things that I don't think I've ever been met. God, I've never brought this to God. I've never been. I have, I'm just unresolved. It's, it's, I'm not comforted yet. I haven't been ministered. This thing still ails me. It still comes up. Let today be a day. We want to pray for you. Second Corinthians is a book that circles back to some things that were hit on in 1 Corinthians. There had been some sin within the church in between the first letter and this letter. The Corinthians had dealt with the sin and were moving past that, working toward unity and forgiveness. This is something that's easier said than done. The hard work is addressing sin, but sometimes the hard work that's required after that is choosing to forgive once the sin issue has been resolved. This is the best way for relationships to move forward after having a rift. Are any of these topics something that you can relate to in your life? Pointing out areas of sin, working at forgiving, and striving for unity? Of course they are. You're human. We like to come alongside you and be a support in these areas that you might be currently addressing. Would you text or call us and share where you are in the process? Our number is 310-245-4811. That number again is 310-245-4811. We'd be happy to listen and pray with you through these things. If you're in the area, it would be so great to meet you in person. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you'd like more info, go to CalvaryEnglewood.org for our location and directions. Thank you for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. We hope this ministry has been and continues to be a blessing to you in the days that we're living in. Join us again on A Transforming Word.